With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. This is John Middlecoff from 3 and Out with John Middlecoff. Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Volume. Darwin. The Nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brever and alongside me is Logan Camden. Happy New Year to you all. And Logan, you almost got your dream New Year's gift, which isn't a thing. But if the Dallas Cowboys had lost, I'm sure you would have been thrilled. But they didn't. They managed to sneak out with a win against the Detroit Lions, obviously amid some major officiating controversy. But With what we've seen from them over these last few weeks, getting blown out by the Bills, losing to the Dolphins, escaping this game, and from what we've seen from their NFC East pals, the Philadelphia Eagles, who is more fraudulent to you, the Cowboys or the Eagles? I think Philadelphia is more fraudulent, Carson. I just think that they have a more, a a bigger fatal flaw for me, and that's that their defense can't stop anybody, you know? Yeah. I thought the Lions were going to roll over the Cowboys in this game. Uh, Jonathan Hankins misses another game up front for the Cowboys. I thought that, you know, with him out uh, relying on Mozzie Smith and this young core, I thought the Lions were going to be able to run all over them. And this wasn't a great game for Dallas by any means against Detroit. But to me, what we've seen concretely throughout this entire season is that the Eagles just can't stop anybody. And, that I mean, I just can't trust the defense. It can't stop anyone to go through the playoffs right now. They have the number 29 scoring defense, the number 23 total defense uh, by yardage. And I like these sample sizes, Carson, because uh, we are through 16 games now. And so uh, for the old NFL, this gives us a full sample size for uh, complete stats. You haven't adjusted yet, let's face it. Well, yeah, no, no, no. It's going to take me probably another 10 years to get fully adjusted to the 17-game schedule. Well, you know, it took me a minute, Carson, after the 12-game schedule. And then we got the 14-game schedule back in the 40s. Yeah. Yeah. Opposing quarterbacks versus Philly, again, 16 games now, 3,990 yards, 39 touchdowns to eight picks. I mean, that sounds like an Aaron Rodgers season against Philly. So an average quarterback against the Eagles is playing like Aaron Rodgers, give or take, right? Opposing running backs versus Philly, 1,649 yards, 11 touchdowns. Damn, man, that's like a prime Michael Turner season. So what I'm saying is, in an average game, 
you're getting a really good freaking running back game and a really good quarterback game regardless. The Eagles defense is just allowing themselves to get tore up on the average. And like I said, I, I, I don't really have a ton of confidence in either of these teams moving forward, but when we dig into the weeds a little further, so whose defense do I like more? Well, probably Dallas's. I think they get more pressure. I think they have bigger playmakers. Like, Deron Bland can get burned two to three times a game, but he can also make up for it with a game-breaking play. Micah Parsons is probably the best defensive player out of either of these two teams. When I dig into the weeds offensively, whose offense is clicking more? Uh, this is a bit more of a toss-up. You could say the Eagles because you like their running game a little more, but I'm going to take Dallas's offense because I think Dak Prescott is playing quarterback at a higher level than Jalen Hurts. And him and C.D. Lamb, uh, I, you know, I just prefer as a offensive duo. So it's really marginal. I think both of these teams I would consider to be fraudulent. I don't really buy into either of these teams and their title hopes anymore. Uh, I, I think they're both fake. But to me, I would probably trust the Cowboys – to get to the NFC title game more than Philly at this point, if I had yeah. to bet on somebody. I just can't trust a team with a defense this bad to do anything in the playoffs. I'm with you. I think it's pretty easily Philly. I don't know if I would classify the Cowboys as frauds. Are they the powerhouse that some people have made them out to be at various points this season? No, but this has been my point throughout the year. If we are going to write off everybody with significant flaws, everybody mm -hmm. who has had really ugly losses as frauds, then there's two teams in the NFL this year who aren't fraudulent. There's one in each conference. The Cowboys have really only played one bad game since they lost to the Niners. Like that Dolphins game, that's against a good football team. They had real chances to win it. This Lions game, of course... They were gifted at the end by blown officiating. And I think it's pretty clear now that Taylor Decker declared himself eligible, went over to the official, and the official just wasn't paying attention. It's a pretty obvious situation when he makes a point to go over there and then lines up as the eligible receiver and is the guy who the play is drawn up for. There's no question that the officials blew that. But it also shouldn't have been a game because of the phantom tripping called on the Cowboys, which should have been called on Aiden Hutchinson probably an even more mind-blowing gaffe by the officials on the previous series, which would have ended the game. The Lions never would have gotten the ball back. So I think that because it's the Cowboys, there is a tendency to look at that. And because it was the final play of the game effectively and just write it off. But again, if the officials hadn't blown it in the first place against them, then they would have gotten out of there with a win. But Philly has hardly played a good game in this half of the season. And I was a huge Eagles optimist coming into this year. I thought that Jalen Hurts had been playing at an unbelievable level. I totally bought into that defense, even with the really decimation of their linebacking core. I wasn't too worried about the losses of their coordinators. They were my Super Bowl pick. And even as we had seen some concerning trends from them, as they found their way at 10-1, and 1, still getting outgained, winning some of these games in sort of miraculous fashion, I still thought this team is really, really good. But now it's gone on for too long, way too long. And they've stopped winning those games in those sort of fluky, miraculous ways. They've been outgained in seven of their last nine games by an average of 73 yards per game in that time, bro. That is the mark of an awful football team. They've now lost four of their last five. And the defense is absolutely the majorly concerning unit here. The Cardinals scored touchdowns on their last four drives, and they got into the red zone on every single drive, and I thought Kyler was awesome in this game, but come on, man. That is as little resistance as you would see from any defense in the league, which at this point we should expect. The Eagles are 29th in scoring defense. You mentioned, like, teams light them up 
week in, week out. And I definitely think that I underestimated how major losing both Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon was. I think that we've seen Steichen do some awesome stuff in Indianapolis. I think that their play calling has been less creative. I think that they have less of an identity as a football team. They're not as crazy dominant running the football. That's still what they like to do, dominate in the trenches. But last year, they ran for over 2,500 yards, 32 touchdowns. They were just in complete control of every game, running it down your throat. And they haven't been able to do it at that level this year. And then Jalen Hurts has struggled to adjust this year. He hasn't been good reading more zone looks. He hasn't been very good as a decision maker. He's held onto the ball for too long at times. He struggled with turnovers. He is just not the level of quarterback that he was. And I do wonder if having a better guiding presence like a Shane Steichen still in that room could have helped him more with those adjustments. And then defensively, I think it is really a personnel issue because those linebackers suck and the secondary has taken a real step back. But even the front last year, was as good as we've seen. They had 70 sacks, bro. They were second in pressure rate. And then through the draft, it felt like they got arguably even more stacked this year despite losing Javon Hargrave. And they're still good there, but they're 12th in pressure rate. It hasn't been as overwhelmingly dominant. This past game, it's weird. They've got Hassan Reddick dropping into coverage a lot when they pretty clearly need to be getting more pressure. That's a coaching issue. They're just not a very good football team right now. And there's nobody who I really trust on this team. The Cowboys defense maybe hasn't been consistently tested against the best competition, but they've held up these last two weeks. Didn't hold up against the Bills. Didn't hold up against the Niners earlier in the year, but they just held the Dolphins and Lions to 41 points combined. Those are two of the best offenses in football. And I certainly trust Dak Prescott more than I trust Jalen Hurts right now. So if you have the defense and the quarterback advantages, I am generally going to prefer you. I think the Cowboys have those. I think that they have them by a pretty mm -hmm. wide margin right now. They're just playing better football. 100%. I agree with everything you just said. And uh, another fatal flaw that I think we have to point out with Dallas too, you bring up the Lions game, Carson. Uh, just to... I think Mike McCarthy has to be a swing factor for me, too, because I do just want to mention really quickly, like you talk about that final sequence in that Lions game, uh, a couple final things, just because that game has plucked my nerves and has been on my mind literally since it happened Saturday night. I hate watching games end like that. One, uh, another reason that game shouldn't have gotten down to the wire, poor play calling. I just think Mike McCarthy should have ran the ball. You know, you end up do burning a couple timeouts from Detroit because you complete some passes, but... I just think you run the ball three times there. You trust your defense. I just think you mishandled that. I think they mishandled the defensive sequence there where the Lions march down the field. They run prevent defense. Sometimes prevent works. Other times, I just think it allows for big comebacks like that. But the final moments, Carson, can we – you just can't have shit in Detroit, man. Can we have a – can we let Detroit fans have one good football moment for their life? Like, I'd say outside of maybe the Bills or the Vikings, or no, I mean, Detroit and Cleveland are probably the most tortured. Detroit more than Cleveland, because Cleveland, if you were around in the 40s and 50s, at least you have some NFL titles. Vikings and Bills fans have at least lost in the Super Bowl. Detroit fans don't have anything, man. You took the Calvin game away from you. You took the last Cowboys playoff game they had with the Pettigrew play away from them, in Jerry World, might I add. And here celebrating. I mean, the refs literally mm -hmm. wait an entire minute before they come back and go, there's a flag on the field. I'm assuming all of Detroit was celebrating this victory. They just stole that one from there. But this is a long-winded way of saying the Lions should have had no way of coming back in that game anyway. 
And yeah. it's just another reason for me to not believe in uh, the Dallas Cowboys. So, frankly, I think both of these teams are frauds. Let me ask you this, Carson, for both of these teams. Do you think either of them actually get to the NFC title game? Probably. That's the thing. Everybody is significantly flawed here. Now, the challenge is that the Cowboys, unless they win this next week and the Eagles lose, which, by the way, isn't impossible. Mm -hmm. Like, I have full confidence that the Cowboys are going to beat the Commanders, and that's the difference. I don't even have full confidence that the Eagles are going to beat the Giants. I think that they will. But if the Cowboys <laughs> can win the division mm -hmm. so that they don't have to be on the road for the entirety of their playoff run then I think that they are a better team than the Lions on a neutral field. I think that they are a better team than the Eagles on a neutral really? field. I think that they are the best of that bunch after the Niners. Yeah, I do, because I think that the Lions' defense is also really, really flawed, like significantly worse than the Cowboys, and I trust them more at the quarterback position. I agree with you on the McCarthy point. Like, you can't ignore his track record in this thing with the Cowboys where they have just managed to blow games late. But I think that they are talented enough in a deeply flawed NFC that they are still a top-two team to me. The one thing I will add about that Lions game is I totally feel for Dan Campbell super frustrating. At the same time, he's, like, being a caricature no. of himself when he goes for two after okay. the penalty from seven yards out. That's ridiculous. Theo tweeted uh -huh. out a great stat about... The Lions on third and seven plus, I think, had like a 35% success mm -hmm. rate. And the Cowboys only allowed like 33% of conversions in that situation. Like, I don't know if he just mm -hmm. needs that to keep himself alive. Like, if that's what he's living for every Sunday, perhaps the sexual thrill of going for it in every situation possible. But it's like, dude, you have a responsibility. And then after that, you get <laughs> bailed out because of the offsides after Jared Goof throws a pick and you go for it again. It's like at some yeah. point, the football gods are trying to send you a message, man. Just take the extra point and go to overtime. And Dan Campbell can't. Carson, he's doing it for Miss Campbell, man. Okay, he's doing it for Mrs. Campbell. <laughs> Yeah, it seems she, that way, dude. She needs it. Uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. After the first attempt doesn't work, after the second attempt doesn't work, I'm just taking the extra point. We're going into OT, and we're going to re-roll. We're going to reshuffle here. But also, you already lost the element of surprise, so I completely agree with you. Yeah. And you already blew your, your one great play. Your best play call. And you had it dialed up. The one, the one thing about that play, though, is I've heard the reports are that Dan Campbell specifically going into that game said to the officials pregame, we are running this play, be prepared, be yeah. ready for it. And yet the ref still blow it. And again, like you said, dude, uh, the referee mails it in. Dan Skipper, number 70, traditionally reports as eligible. So he sees everybody walk up um, and just naturally assumes that Skipper is going to be the one that uh, reports eligible. That's not how the Lions line up. Again, everybody said it. You practice this over and over again. The Lions did everything right. And they and the Cowboys should have had, a, had an opportunity to go down the field and either kick a field goal to win the game or, you know, to score points. Uh, the refs blew that one. But I, I disagree with you. Yeah. I think I have the Lions as my number two team. And it is – I do think the Cowboys' defense is better. I think that uh, Dak Prescott is playing better ball. But I, I just believe in the Lions in the trenches a little more. And that's why I like them more. It's it's really marginal, but I think that Dallas and Detroit are next to each other. And barring a Jared Goof performance, I think I would con concretely take the Lions. But that's kind of the the one thing yeah. holding me back. I would marginally have the Lions above the Cowboys at this point. It's close. 
again, I think that that dynamic pass rush, better defense plus better quarterback formula is pretty damn good. And the officials did blow it. And it seems like Brad Allen's crew is not going to be officiating in the postseason. And I have no problem with that. Like, you cannot have that sort of impact on a game in multiple instances. And it's not like a 50-50 call, full game speed, right? You just don't see things fully correctly. It's basic procedural stuff. It's calling a penalty on the wrong team. It's completely misunderstanding a situation that has been apparently meticulously explained to you beforehand like that is inexcusably bad stuff and it does suck to see and it really does make you wonder if you can ever have shit in Detroit it's not looking great but outside of that Cowboys Lions matchup Logan maybe the premier game on the slate for this past weekend was Ravens Dolphins and boy did Baltimore give them a good old-fashioned whooping did that say more about the Ravens dominance or Miami's issues Logan I'd say definitely a, a healthy uh, a healthy dose of both. Uh, Baltimore, I do think, is the best team in football, and I think we can crown them that at this point. What they do defensively uh, from top to bottom in terms of defensive talent and scheme, uh, Ben Solak did a great breakdown of how Kansas City and how they pre-rotate at the line of scrimmage and how they use pre-snap motion against Miami. Uh, he did a great breakdown on that and you know just talked about how they could kind of weaponize uh, Miami's pre-snap motion against them. And Baltimore, uh, like Spags, does a lot of pre-rotating at the line of scrimmage to disguise their coverages and are just uber-talented top to bottom. And this is even a game where Kyle Hamilton doesn't play. You know what I mean? I think Kyle Hamilton is the second-best safety in all the football behind Minka Fitzpatrick, who has just unfortunately not been healthy at all this season. Uh, so Kyle Hamilton has been playing effectively like the best safety in football. Uh and so I think that played a big part of it. I think that Baltimore and Kansas City are the two best defenses when it comes to playing against Tua. So I think this was always going to be a tough game. But this has been a proven track record thing here for Miami, Carson, this season. The Dolphins are 10-1 versus teams 500 or worse, and they're 1-4 versus teams better than 500. They've got the 21st-ranked scoring defense. They've got the 30th-ranked red zone defense. And very similar uh, to how I feel about Philadelphia, I just don't trust this defense enough to help their offense win multiple playoff games. Maybe Miami can eke out one, but against top competition, I just don't think they hold a candle to them. I mean, I think this is an abysmal pass defense, uh, and they've just got poor coverage over the middle of the field. Baltimore had them in jail, it felt like, all game with how they were running the ball, where any play action, linebackers have to bite and drop. Guys are open over the middle of the field. And this was a team that was number one in pressure rate and number one in overall pressure on the season, but they lose Bradley Chubb, ironically, to an ACL injury in a four-score game. I mean, Chubb shouldn't even be out there. Yeah. It's just a really bad beat and bad break for Miami. And so with that loss, I mean, they don't really have any big-time playmakers. I mean, shout-out Jalen Ramsey. Like, he's just not that big of a needle mover to me to, what you know, he doesn't make up for an entire defensive, you know, defensive shortcomings. And... The one on the flip side of this, I do think that Lamar has been consistently disrespected as a passer, Carson. Like, I've been seeing these discussions online where people are like, oh, you know, is Lamar a top 10 passer? Is he a top 15? Look, guys, Lamar is a top five passer. And you could make an argument that he's a top three passer. I don't get why we... Look, guys, just because he's not top five and top 10 in passer rating and number, you know, top three in passing yards, and just because Lamar's name doesn't come up with all of the passing numbers for quarterbacks 
you can we don't have to just go off of stats, guys. Brock Purdy is not the best quarterback in the NFL. You know what I mean? Like we can watch the tape and we can go, Lamar is a top five passer in the NFL because he is. The patience that we've seen this year. The what really baffles me, Carson, is when he has time back there and he like will take one or two steps up in the pocket and still make a throw like almost parallel to the line of scrimmage with his body. All the arm angles, the arm ability, the accuracy. We don't have to have the numbers to back up that Lamar is this good as a passer. We can watch the tape and see how accurate and on time and how he's dissecting these defenses and making these great decisions and being so patient in the pocket. I think that's the guy that, that to me, has been really disrespected in all of this, and that's something that I thought this game spoke volumes to even more, is that Lamar is every bit of the passer that we have praised him to be. And with these weapons, I mean, you see the big Zay Flowers TD, uh, the Odell Beckham fade catch in the corner it's just the best group of weapons that he's had so I think it's a little bit of both this is the best defense in the NFL with the best defensive schemer in the NFL with the MVP of the league that is playing the best as a pocket passer of his entire career with the best weapons of his career with the best offensive coordinator of his career it's just we saw the best team in football go up against a team that I think is slightly overrated you know I, I don't think that the Dolphins are fake by any means but they are I think in the ethos in the totality of the NFL a little overrated it's a little bit of both um I would say this spoke more to probably to Baltimore's dominance though I just think Baltimore is everything that we have touted them up to be throughout this season totally agree with just about everything that you've said I think that this told us more about the Ravens this was just a smackdown and Lamar was perfect in this game. I would say it's the best quarterback performance of the year. He was deadly accurate. His touch was amazing. And then he did all of the usual insane Lamar stuff, making dudes miss, showing the raw arm talent. And his receivers made some awesome plays in this game. But on that OBJ catch, Lamar made an insane throw, like damn near sidearm, not really stepping into it, 40 yards downfield, right on target. On that likely catch, which was an awesome one-handed snag. That only comes after a sick sidearm throw by Lamar as he's taking a hit, putting the ball where only his guy can get it on a fourth and seven. And I see people going out there and somehow making this game about the performances from his receivers. No other elite quarterback would be getting hit with the his receivers made it happen take than Lamar after playing a perfect football game. Like, does Joe Burrow get hit with that when his elite receivers (laughs) have made elite plays Every game up to this point in his career? No. But when Lamar, who has played with as little receiving talent as any elite quarterback since he came into the league, has some dude step up, there's immediately some rush to discredit him. It is just absurd. He is the MVP. He's a hell of a lot closer to the second best quarterback in the NFL than the fourth Logan. Damn right. Damn right. And I'm as big of a Josh Allen defender as there is. But Lamar's been better this year. He's just been more consistent. He hasn't had that one dud, that what-are-you-doing performance like Josh has. He has been unbelievable this entire season. And I don't know if I would say he's a top five pure passer. He's certainly top 10. He's definitely in that top seven. I'm just thinking, when you're looking at a fully healthy league with Herbert, with Burrow, with Matt Stafford, the level that he's playing at, I'm taking, he's definitely I'm taking Lamar, in that man. range. You want as a pure passer? You want to do a thought exercise? That, that list ain't too okay. long. I would go Mahomes. I would go Josh Allen. I would go Burrow, Herbert, Herbert Lamar. I think he's top five for me. I, you know, and 
The guy on the cusp would be Stafford. Stafford would be the guy that I might have a little. I think Stafford's a, a better pure about. passer than Lamar. I think he's a better pure passer than Lamar. I think he's got even more arm talent. I think he's even more accurate. I think he's got even more variety. Stafford is crazy as a pure passer. I just don't want to take for granted, too, because I think when we do that, when we go pure passer, it's like, are you taking away two? For example, when Lamar scrambles and buys himself time, uh, you know, to extend a play and to make a pass, like, I just think we can kind of, you yeah. know, where do, where do we draw the line for pure passer? You know what I mean? And I think that's yeah, the thing, that's too, that when we're talking about pure passers, I, I just don't know why we paint that into the box. There's a huge conglomerate, Carson, that I think that still thinks that Lamar Jackson cannot win a Super Bowl. And that is something yeah. that I'm really rooting for this season in these playoffs, for Lamar not only to win a playoff game, I would love for the Ravens to make a Super Bowl push to the Super Bowl because there is still this huge contingency of NFL fans that think that you cannot win a Super Bowl with this kind of quarterback. And you can take some of the undertones with that because I think there are mm -hmm. some uh, that come with that statement. But it's like, I, I don't yeah. know how you can still hold that belief when we've seen so many guys get so close. We saw Cam Newton get to a Super Bowl, and if he dives on a fumble, you know, we may not still believe that about QBs. If Jalen Hurts, if Mahomes doesn't steal that game away from him, do we still feel that way? You know, and there's still this belief that Lamar can't win a playoff game, can't get it done in the big game, will never win a Super Bowl because of yeah. his style of play and maybe because of his skin tone. I believe in Lamar. I, I fully totally. believe in Lamar. And I want him to get that done because I want him to get that off of his back and to get that off of his shoulders, man. Uh, yeah. Just because there's just a lot of hate. There's a lot of hate that Lamar gets that just, like you said, man, other quarterbacks don't. He just gets a ton of extra criticism, man, that I, I hate. No other quarterback, I feel, gets as constantly. You can throw out Tua or Purdy, but when I say that, I'm saying that these are guys that aren't even in the same conversation of Lamar. People are just so yeah. slow to, to give credit and to praise Lamar, and yeah. I don't get it. My dad has finally come around. It took a, Let's go, it, Jimmy. It took a damn 300-yard, 5-TD performance, but I called mm -hmm. him after the uh, during the Steelers game, and he was like, you know, I'm going to give my flowers to Lamar. And I told him, it's about damn time, dude. Yeah. Uh, I'm rooting for him this year, man, because there's just – I'm tired of the haters on Lamar, man. He's – if this year doesn't do it for you, man, I don't know what will. Yeah. And whether he's top five or top seven as a pure passer, there's no question that he's elite there. And the people who try to deride that part of his game are just – wrong the arm talent is elite the pocket presence is elite the accuracy the timing the touch it's all damn good and he has come far in those respects since mm -hmm. he came into the league and then when you combine that with the fact that he is the single most elusive the most dangerous runner that we've ever seen at the quarterback position he's just undeniably a top three offensive engine in football he is undeniably a top three guy that i want for a playoff mm -hmm. run you can't make those arguments having concerns about him as a passer. Not anymore, dude. He has just so convincingly shut those people up. And if you're going to hold on to that take, you're just wrong. And you're going to be proven conclusively wrong. I am so, so impressed by Lamar mm -hmm. every single game. And the other side of what was so resoundingly impressive about this Ravens performance was this defense again, man. I really do think this is the best defense in football now. Mm -hmm. Three straight weeks, they have held the Jags with T-Law when he was healthy to seven. Then the Niners to 19, even that they scored in garbage time. And then the Dolphins to 19. And those last two are both top three scoring offenses. As we discussed last week, they are elite at almost every single position. 
I mean, more than half of their starters could reasonably be pro bowlers. And then they have another handful, at least of guys who are just below that level. And they just make huge play after huge play. So I'm with you. This to me does cement them as my Super Bowl favorite. After last week, I still said, I think I'm leaning Niners. Although I've talked about how I prefer that quarterback and defense formula and the Ravens had those edges, but I thought the Niners are mm-hmm. so good offensively, the scheming, what they can do in the trenches, running the ball, their skill position talent. That's so great. And their defense is still damn good. But I think the Ravens are just playing better football right now. I think the defense is that stifling. I think Lamar is that overwhelmingly great that they have to be number one. And for the Dolphins, this really just exposed the defense a bit. And I think people have started to really warm up on that unit. And I even gave them some props after that Cowboys game. I thought they played pretty well. But they have largely been producing against mm-hmm. really subpar competition. I don't buy into that as a unit that scares me at all, especially without Bradley Chubb. Couldn't stop the run. Couldn't finish sacks versus Lamar at the very least, which is tough to do. But he made them pay every time. And then offensively, Tua made a couple of costly mistakes in this one, which happens from time to time. They just, as a football team do not scare me and uh, they're good but if you don't have that elite singular quarterback talent and if you have a significantly flawed defense then I just can't really buy into you for a playoff run all right Logan it's time to talk about your Steelers because oh my goodness I was so sure that I was going to be buying you a toupee two weeks ago I mean I had it basically ready to go some beautiful waves for you Logan you're gonna love it but now they have a chance And the secret ingredient in all of this has been the switch to Mason Rudolph at quarterback in these past two weeks. Logan, I have to ask, do you think that Pittsburgh is better off with Rudolph than Kenny Pickett? I don't think. I will tell you point blank, the Pittsburgh Steelers are better with Mason Rudolph at quarterback instead of Kenny Pickett. And you won't find a guy more surprised about this than me. I said from day one when I saw Mason Rudolph take the field, The game is too fast for him. He doesn't process Mm -hmm. the game well enough. The old adage, though, Carson, one of my favorite phrases that I've quoted countless times on this show, though, is that Bill Walsh, you don't know what you have in a quarterback, uh, you know, until you get 24 games, season and a half. That amount of game tape. And what I mean by that, too, is a guy like Geno Smith, you know, wrote him off. He didn't write back. Mm -hmm. And that was a big storyline heading into this week, the dynamic of... Geno bouncing back from where he started, got completely written off, earned back a starting job. Mason Rudolph was in that same boat. And like I said, you won't find a guy more surprised about this. Mason Rudolph is the cross-eyed quarterback, man. He got decked in the head with a helmet. I mean, dude, you just don't bounce back from that, man. How can you be taken as a legitimate quarterback after that? And coming into this game, my roommate said the exact same thing, Carson. He said, Mason Rudolph is better than Kenny Pickett. And I said, point blank, I said, Danny, you're an idiot. I said, one one good game does not a quarterback make. And then Mason Rudolph comes out here and does this again. Now, I want to go to bat here for Kenny Pickett because I think he's been a bit of a punching bag in these past two weeks. Kenny Pickett is a serviceable quarterback. He is a borderline average to good QB that I do not mind as a starter. This season, he was 7-4 and four as a starter in games that he finished. Last season, he was 7-4 and four in a, as a starter in games he finished. In his career, he is 14-8 and eight as a starter. He led four game-winning drives as a rookie, he had, and he has 14 turnovers in 25 games. Bottom line, you can win games with Kenny. He can make timely plays and throws, and he cannot turn the ball over. 
But Kenny Pickett is not a big-time playmaker. Mason Rudolph is. Mason Rudolph can make big plays, and that is a big-time difference. Now, I want to give the Steelers as a whole a big uh, amount of credit for this game, too. We quite literally have not run the ball like this in nearly 20 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, They threw up a stat during the broadcast. We had 145 rushing yards in the first half. That's the most since 2006 versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, In the first half, over 140 yards, two TDs. 7.1 7.1 yards per carry. Warren and Najee have really come on. They're the four Steelers duo to eclipse 1,000 scrimmage yards together uh, in Steelers history. And the O-line looked ferocious. But as you mentioned, the Steelers have named Mason Rudolph as the starting quarterback moving forward. And he looks really poised, Carson. The difference between him and Kenny Pickett is Mason Rudolph is not playing scared. Scared money Mm -hmm. doesn't make any money, and Mason Rudolph is playing like a quarterback that doesn't have anything to lose. One of the biggest flaws with Kenny Pickett is that he bails on clean pockets. He doesn't wait for routes and concepts to develop. Mason Rudolph isn't scared in the pocket. He will stand in there amidst pressure, under duress, and he will deliver balls on ropes. I mean, Mason fired me up. I haven't had that kind of fire and passion during a game watching a quarterback since Big Ben was out there, and the results say the same Mm -hmm. thing. The Steelers haven't had back-to-back 30-point games in two years. We haven't had a 30-point game under Kenny Pickett, period. Yeah. And Mason is standing in there delivering balls on time, on ropes, like he's throwing rockets. And the biggest thing in all this to me is that Mason Rudolph is throwing the ball to George Pickens. Oh my God, who would have guessed it? Mm -hmm. You get the ball to a playmaker and good things happen. I didn't go to bat for George, and I'm wrong for that. You know, George not blocking, George being frustrated. Well, when you're this damn good and you're not getting the ball, maybe you should be frustrated. The last two weeks, 11 catches, 326 yards, two TDs. That's a major component of this to me, Carson. I can talk about the poise, the presence, the arm talent. It's he's getting the ball to the playmaker, and that's the bottom line. I made a meme on my Twitter that I've been sending out periodically when George makes a play. It's a play Mm -hmm. on the old Keyshawn Johnson book when he was a rookie from 1993, I believe it was, or 94. Just throw me the damn ball. It's the same thing with Pickens, man. Just get him the rock and let him go to work. That, to me, has been a huge part of this offense is that he's not afraid to get Pickens the ball, and Pickens makes plays. Pickens has been Mm -hmm. making tough catch after tough catch. There's one where... Uh, is a third down, and he throws it too high. Pickens goes up in skies to get it. There's another play where Pickens literally pins a ball between his legs to make a catch. The kid's a freak. He's a bona fide number one receiver, and he needs a quarterback to get him the rock. Mason is not afraid to make big throws. He's not afraid to stay in the pocket. He gets the ball to George Pickens, and he's hungry. There's a hunger and a fire and a desire that I just was not getting with Mitch Trubisky. Mason yeah. is playing... Uh, Mason's playing like our best quarterback. I have no issue with starting him for Week 18, and I do think this brings into a bunch of big questions about Kenny Pickett's future as a Pittsburgh Steeler. You know, I don't know if the Steelers are going to bring him back as the starter. I don't know what direction they're heading in, but the bottom line is that Mason Rudolph gives the Pittsburgh Steelers the best chance to win individual football games and to go on a playoff run, bottom line, and... uh, I think he's going to win next week against Baltimore. I think he's going to get us into the playoffs, and I'm all for it, man. I don't really care who gives the Steelers the best chance uh, to win, but put them under center, and Mason's been doing that, man. I'm I'm all aboard the Mason-Rudolph train. 
Yeah, he's pretty clearly played the two best games of any Pittsburgh quarterback all season in his two starts. Kenny had one game all year with 240 plus yards passing. Mason has gone after, over 270 in both. Canada. That's true. That's true. And I think that that does factor into this equation to some extent, the liberation from Matt Canada. But Kenny didn't have a single game this year, averaging 10 yards per pass attempt. Mason has cleared that in both. Kenny didn't lead the Steelers to score over 26 points in a single game. They were averaging 16 points per game under Kenny. They have hit 30 in both of Mason's starts. And I do have to ask, you say that you view Kenny still as an average to maybe slightly below average starter. I just can't get there, man. I think he's a backup. I think he's a good backup. But what you're talking about with the record, with limiting turnovers, that's the sort of stuff that you can only survive or that you can only reward when you're playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers and your defense mm -hmm. is winning you games. Like nowhere else in the league are you winning more than 30% of your games with Kenny Pickett at quarterback. How can we fault Kenny Pickett for winning football? That, that's the one issue I have with all this. Him. It's not is faulting that, him. It's an attribution I, I don't, error. I, I, I don't disagree with your fundamental take, but it's like everybody wants to go, is Mitch Trubisky really that much worse than Kenny Pickett? That's the reason we lost. If Kenny Pickett starts those games, we sure. win. But like, Mason Rudolph, who was your third stringer, who most people probably thought wasn't an NFL quarterback, steps in and is immediately significantly better. I'm just saying, if we're talking about average starters, okay, if we're looking at a healthy league, here are the dudes who I think are in the range of like around that 16th to 20th best quarterback. It's like Jordan Love. I mean, there are miles between him and Kenny Pickett. Justin Fields, way better. Russell Wilson, I think, is way well, better. I'm saying. When I say that, uh, he's not a... He's a, he's like, yeah, 25 to 32. What I'm saying okay, is he could so start that's not in the average team. range. That's a guy I, I who is like going to hop from team but, to team year to year. And maybe but is like I don't a stop think, gap. But I think that's what an average quarterback is nowadays. I don't mean average in terms of one to 32. I mean, average and he's a good quarterback. Like he's in that tier. I don't think he's like league average. I'm saying that he's just a he's, serviceable guy. Okay. He's serviceable. Okay. Yeah. Like. I just think Kenny has been unfairly criticized. Really, like, I, I, he's flawed. He's flawed. He does not stay in the pocket and makes throws. That is the biggest thing with yeah. Kenny Pickett when it comes down to it. His fatal flaw as a quarterback is he is jittery. He has got a, he's got happy feet. You know what I mean? Like, when Kenny gets scared in the pocket, he bails. He does not let plays develop. Mason doesn't play scared. Mason doesn't bail on clean pockets. That's a huge difference maker. We've seen it. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, I think Mason's a better quarterback, and it, it's not resounding on on Kenny. And uh, I just think people are way too low on Kenny because they just look at the raw numbers, man. I just don't know why you would have confidence in him as the guy. Like, that's my. I've seen away. it. Kenny has won us games. I don't. You know, I, we can win games with points? Kenny. Kenny has won us games. Logan, Mason Rudolph is better than him. Is Mason yes. Rudolph the quarterback you want for the future? Hell no! Nah. Exactly. So my point is just, what this has shown me is not that Mason Rudolph is the guy. It is that your offense immediately looks better and more dynamic with him at the helm because he lets it rip more. Because he does hang in the pocket. He makes big-time throws, more so than Kenny at least. He will actually let a deep ball rip, and that does mm -hmm. unlock what Pickens can do more. He has also just energized this whole team, as you said. Like I don't think I've seen Najee run this hard ever, really. Yeah. Like They are definitely playing with some extra pep in their step, but this just shows me 
that Kenny's not the guy. And I think that we've already known that. And I think that you're better off if you want to do this whole win now thing that Mike Tomlin and the Steelers are obsessed with, then go get a Kirk Cousins. Go get a veteran quarterback who is going to play the position at a much higher level than either of these guys, who isn't like a top tier elevator. I don't know, not man. going to be able to get one of those guys. But I mean, with Kirk Cousins, right? If this team's going to win nine or 10 games with the Kenny and Rudolph and Mitch tag team, they can win 12 with Kirk. I'm kind of rocking with Mason, man. Mason hasn't really given me any reason to doubt him. The one thing I will so say. So if he was the is, day one starter next year, would you be good with that? I'd be okay with him starting. I would want a new backup. I'd want to get rid of Mitch, and I'd want to get a new, uh, some fresh meat in there. I, I think we can win nine games again with Mason Rudolph. Like, it's not an ideal situation. For, what does that do for you, though, well, Logan? That's How many the big, years can you win nine games? That's the big question about the Mike Tomlin <laughs> era, isn't it? How many times can Steeler fans win nine games, have the 18th pick, and not right. win a playoff game? It's about getting over the hump. And that's the thing I'm saying with Mason is, give me give me three weeks. We need to see if Mason wins us a playoff game. Oh, my God, I'm all aboard. Let's go, baby. Bring it, Run it back next year, you know? We haven't won a playoff game in seven years. Yeah. The Steelers are kind of stuck either way, but Mason gives us the best opportunity to win. I wouldn't want... If our option is Kirk Cousins or Mason Rudolph, I'd just rather have Mason. I don't think there's a reason to attribute that much of our salary cap when I think that I, I don't think it's that big of a needle mover for me. Mason's not bad, man. I'm cool with Mason starting games for us. Mason's not going to win you a playoff game is the thing, though. You don't and think so? Mason's not good. We're going to have to play Buffalo, Miami, or Kansas City is what it's seeming like. Yeah. I just don't see the upside there, man. The, Ste- the Steelers the are playing— whatsoever. I know the Seahawks' defense is bad, but the thing that you mentioned with Najee, I have noticed with this entire team. Yeah. uh, The Steelers are playing with a different kind of fire, and that's the final thing I want to give Mike Tomlin some real credit for because I was really critical of Tomlin. This team has been really resilient, man. This is a team that's down four safeties, that's down three inside Mm -hmm. linebackers, that is down two corners. Yeah. Like, wow. Uh, The amount of resilience and fire that we are seeing from the Steelers, it's it's just something that I I have to stop. I do this every year with Mike when we hit a skid. Yeah. I just have to stop doubting Mike Tomlin, man. It's unbelievable what he can do with limited talent. He's an incredible motivator. He's an incredible culture guy. He's a great defensive mind overall. The issue is just what we always say. The Steelers are going to have to come to terms with the fact that if you want to win in today's NFL in a meaningful way, not nine games, if you (laughs) want to contend, you have to have a dynamic offense. You have to have an elite talent at the quarterback position. You have to have a franchise quarterback, and the Steelers have not sniffed that since Ben. And if they can come to terms with that, and if they can make a decisive move in one direction, like, to be clear... I wouldn't go for Kirk. I think they should scrap things. I think they should rebuild. I just don't think that's in the nature of the organization or Tomlin. And if you're going to be like, hey, let's win now, then get yourself a good quarterback who can win you a playoff game. I think that Kirk in a situation like this is that guy. Mason Rudolph is not. If Mason Rudolph was your day one starter or Kenny, that's just unserious to me. That's unserious football offense in 2023. Really quick, as a non-Steeler fan without your Steeler goggles on, I'm going to name some QBs. You tell me if you would rather have them and if you think the Steelers should pursue them next year. Okay. So, Kirk, you're full, full go. You're all I mean, for that. He's way better than Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett. Russell Wilson. He is better than both of them. Justin Fields. He is better than both of them. Sam Howell. Well, 
I mean, we got to figure out where the line is. It's pretty marginal at this point. I don't know. I could see Mason Rudolph convincing me that he's better than Sam Howell over these next couple weeks. That's not a needle mover for me either way. Okay. But that's the tier that we're talking about. I don't think Sam Howell is a starter to build around. I think he's a journeyman, high-end backup, low-end starter. That's how I feel about Mason Rudolph. That's pretty much how I feel about Kenny. Yeah, that's that's, that's about right. I mean, I guess it's all going to come down to the playoff game this year, man. If the Steelers can somehow muster a playoff win with Mason Rudolph, man, I'm, I'm all for it, dude. It would be unbelievable. I would not bet on it, though. College football fans, the championship is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook is making sure you can throw down on the epic showdown for a shot at big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting $5 on the championship game. Download the app now and use code NERDS. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just 5 bucks on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NERDS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and Deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know who's really going to try to win a playoff game this year, Logan? Both of whom would have certainly expected to do so before the year, but now Mm -hmm. it's a bit more of a question. The Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. Who do you think is the more dangerous team right now? Jesus Christ, man. I don't know how long I can keep doing with this with the Chiefs, dude. Every year, it's, I mean, every week it just like stacks. It's like I'm just fighting the odds. I can't say the Chiefs. I cannot say the Chiefs after this week. I'm, what the heck, man? I, yeah. Just like the MVS mess this week is just sours me. Uh, I think both of these teams are in a really similar tier uh, to one another. I think they're both really scary, terrifying teams. When, you were th- when we're talking about the upper echelon, the top-notch QBs, best guys in the world, they all lay in the AFC. You don't want to run into the Ravens. Yeah. You don't want to run into the Bills. And you don't want to run into the Chiefs because they've got Lamar, Mahomes, and Josh Allen. And those are the you know, the the dragons, so to speak, of the, the NFL. Yeah. I'd say the Bills, uh, just because I really like the stride that their defense has hit, that being said, the Chiefs' defense has consistently been great. Um, I'd like the play calling more, but it, it's really been about the guys stepping up. Razul Douglas, Christian Benford, Ed Oliver, uh, these guys coming together. And Josh Allen doesn't have a great game through the air, but he's effective in the red zone. I like the offensive play calling more. I just like the stride that the Bills have hit. I just don't know how I can say the Chiefs uh, this week. I mean, after just the receiving issues, it's just been so abysmal. MVS, I don't know how that guy has a job. Yeah. Ball hits his hands, and he blames Pat Mahomes for not putting it on the money. Yeah. Where's the self-awareness, dude? You dropped a TD. You sold the game single-handedly against Philadelphia. This one hits you in the hands, and you immediately go to blame your QB. I don't know. The Chiefs, the Chiefs receiving room still leads the NFL uh, this season in drops. Kadarius Tony and MVS suck. I, Isaiah Pacheco, shout out, uh, 165 yards. It's his fourth game with 150 total yards. Like These teams are really similar to me. Good defenses, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but just variables outside of them. 
I don't love either of the, these teams, but I would just say marginally Buffalo with how they've hit their stride, with offensive play calling and their defensive personnel stepping up. Both of these teams are, are very, very similar to me, but I, I would marginally say Buffalo. These The Chiefs' wide receiver issues are just... I don't know how the Chiefs can overcome them at this point in the season. Yeah, I understand that. And that's what I've been saying when we talk about can you have faith in them as a Super Bowl front runner like you've maintained? But both these teams are really flawed. I actually think it's the Chiefs by a slight margin. Wow. And sort of the theme of the episode for me, the better defense and better quarterback formula is tough to pass up on. And I think that the Chiefs have the much better defense. Now, the Bills defense has been playing better as of late. That's true. The Cowboys game was so impressive what they did defensively. But outside of that... It's not like they've been great. I mean, they still blew the Eagles game. They were pretty good against the Chiefs. These last two games, they've played awful offenses. Like, the Chargers with Easton Stick had arguably their best offensive game against the Bills. They've been basically inept against everybody else, and Buffalo had to clutch up to win that game. And then the Pats, like, the first quarter... And most of the first half of this game was hilarious because it was just turnover after turnover. Shout out Rasul Douglas. That dude just makes big time plays. But then Bailey Zappi's making dudes miss in space. He's scrambling. The Pats were able to move the ball down the field a bit as this game progressed. Like, I just can't put the Bills defense, even though I do think it's playing better, on that level of the Chiefs defense that has been so consistently great. And I think that Buffalo has shown a higher ceiling because they played a game like they did against Dallas. The Chiefs really haven't looked like that all year. They haven't had that game against a good team where they just blow them out of the water. But then the last two weeks, they've sucked again. The Bills are just flat out sucked. And two of their last three wins have come where Josh basically just chilled against Dallas, didn't really have to do anything. And then he was outright bad this past game. It was as awful a start to a Josh Allen game as I've seen. Didn't complete a pass forever was just out of sync i think that bill belichick schemed up a nice game i think that the pats got pressure but josh some of his decision making i mean his interception just throwing straight up into double coverage he was just bad and although i still think he is qb2 for me again lamar is closing in on that he's really closing in and pat just never really lays duds like that i think people can overstate how much josh does it but this was a game where he was just like bad the Bills' defense has been better. They've been running the ball way better. But I don't know, man. I still see a team that is really inconsistent, and that concerns me. Both of these teams are puzzling in that respect. Man. Yeah. And it's kind of weird to me that we kind of flop on this because I've been so adamant on staying with the Chiefs. And yeah. I, I want to be clear. I, I think all of these teams are legit contenders in the AFC. When you have this kind of quarterback talent at the helm – Again, NFL history has proven, like you said, Carson, the theme of this episode, QB and defense, that is the formula that's going to get you through the playoffs. All three of these teams are legit contenders. I just wanted to add, I know I've said this in uh, shows previous, that it's so eerily similar to me, man, with Josh and having watched Big Ben for so long, dude, I don't know what it is with the starts of these games. They are the rhythm thing, dude, Mm -hmm. when Josh... I would have PTSD from Ben because my dad and I, the first two drives of the game would tell you exactly the kind of game that Ben was going to have. If he was inaccurate or he threw a Mm -hmm. pick early, it was like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. It is going to be a disaster of a game. Ben's going to throw three picks. He's going to need to throw two late TDs in like four minutes for us to win this game. Or 
he immediately comes out and he's on target with everybody and we're rolling and it's going to be a four TD, one interception, yeah. classic Big Ben game. It's it's just really eerie to me with, because like you said, with Pat, there is a remarkable consistency. Mm-hmm. Peyton Manning, traditionally, remarkable consistency. Brady, Breeze. I don't know what it is with Josh and Big Ben, man, when the start, the start of the game to me really dictates with how the game always goes. I mean, do, do you feel the same way with me? Like, do you normally see when Josh... Josh doesn't, just to me, just doesn't have these crazy turnarounds mid-game. It's really, I don't know, it's a rhythm thing with him. Sometimes he does, but he definitely just has some of those games where he's off. He is out of rhythm. And then he has those games where he's flawless. Like, he can definitely run hot Mm -hmm. and cold, and that does give the Bills a high ceiling. Because when we have seen some of the pieces around him start to play better as of late, when he's at his best... Yeah, they probably do have a higher ceiling than the Chiefs. But I do think that Kansas City, even with their flaws, it's more consistent because you know that they're probably going to hold the opposing team to under 20. They're probably going to find their way to 20 like they've been losing games as of late. But I have a little bit more faith in that. I don't think either of these teams have a very good chance against the Ravens, though. It's like, what do any of them do better than Baltimore? It would have to take an Mm -mm. unbelievable Mahomes or Allen game and a letdown Lamar game, which we just haven't seen this year. Yeah, or, I mean, them faltering right at the end. I I don't want to... The thing with... uh, You say that now. I think that's because we're looking at this right after. I mean, they just moved the ball impeccably well against Miami. The thing with Lamar and them, it's just going to be about Kansas City or Buffalo slowing down Baltimore in the red zone. That, to me, is the key more than anything. Like, we say that Miami couldn't stop anybody. I think if we get Baltimore-Kansas City, Baltimore-Buffalo, it's going to be a battle of the Titans. That's going to be a great game with the quarterback play that we're going to get. The one thing, the final thing I wanted to mention was the the stat going around. uh, Most games with a perfect passer rating, I meant to say this earlier, Lamar now has tied... Uh, for the most perfect passer rating uh, games ever. Carson, I don't know if you saw this stat. Mm. Do you know the other four quarterbacks on this list? Steve Young. Oh, unfortunately not. Patrick Mahomes. Ooh, no. Jeez, all right. Well, this list is worthless to me. Those are some, like the efficiency gods. Some some Rushmore guys and then okay, quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers. No, this is wild. Tom Brady. Tom Brady is here with three. Is Joe All these guys here? have three. Not Joe. Peyton. Peyton, Brady, Lamar. Drew, Drew Brees. Not Brees, actually. That's two other silly. QBs who won Super Bowls. Uh, two QBs who actually faced off against each other in a Super Bowl. Oh, interesting. I was going to guess Russ. He's always been a passer rating god. Not faced Russ. off in a Super Bowl. These guys were more slingers, man. They like to sling that ball. Elway? No. Nah. Okay, 2009. That would be crazy. Who faced off? Oh, well, first of all, that's for the 2008 season. But Ben and Warner. Big Ben and Kurt Warner. Wow. That's the entire list. All of them three perfect passer rating games. And again, considering all those that guys are retired, man, Lamar has one more of those games. He's got the most in NFL history. Wow. How about that? Yeah, I guess that I would just say the difference to me between the Ravens and the Chiefs and the Bills is that the Ravens are a great football team and the Bills and Chiefs aren't very good football teams. <laughs> and I have maintained my optimism in their ceilings throughout, but it's like, my God, dude, every mm-hmm. week I watch these teams and I'm just like, boy, when is it going to click, fellas? When is it going to click? 
the Bills had a few weeks where it was clicking, and then they just regress right back to this. And yeah, they play down to competition, and then they play up. And guess what? I still think they're going to beat the Dolphins this week. I oh, think yeah. that without oh, yeah. Bradley Chubb, I think they beat the Dolphins and they win the division. And wouldn't that be remarkable to win the division in 11 games after all of the shit that yeah, they man. have put viewers of their football through this year? <laughs> and that's a testament to Josh Allen and this football team overall. But my God, there's been a lot of underwhelming football. Okay. Logan, we've talked about Justin Fields a couple times throughout this episode, but he just played a pretty fantastic game against the Atlanta Falcons. Has he proven to you that he deserves to keep his job as the Bears starter for the future? To me, we're not asking the right question. I think the right question with this is, has Justin Fields done enough to justify passing on Caleb Williams? To me, uh, throughout the entirety of this year uh, with the ups and downs with him, you know, uh, showing his heart and crying during a football. How dare he, man? How, How dare, dare Caleb Williams show passion for the game? Um, that the que- that's the question to me, man. Do Can you pass on Caleb Williams? Because I don't know if everybody's heard, too. The Bears officially have the number one overall pick with the Panthers' loss. They're going to have multiple first-round picks. So, to me, there's two options with this. You get Marvin Harrison Jr., you get one of the yeah. O-linemen on the board, you either get Joe Alt or uh, the interior guy, uh, his name escapes me right now. Um, you either do that and you go all in on Justin Fields, or you draft Caleb Williams and then you draft the other guy. You either take Marvin Harrison Jr. to pair with Caleb, him and DJ Moore, that's a scary tandem, or you get Joe Alt or the other O-lineman, uh, beef up the buffet boys and stack the line for the future. To me... Fields just hasn't done enough. I think Caleb Williams is a generational quarterback talent, a franchise talent. You know, I'm not going to compare him to Mahomes or anything now. It's Patrick freaking Mahomes, man. That's the greatest QB of all time. But I do think he's in that Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud. I buy into him completely turning around a franchise. Is it going to be the Bears? I don't know, man. The Bears have been searching for a 4,000-yard passer for 80 years now. They haven't done it. Um, Yeah. Justin has a big arm. He's got wheels. He's a big-time playmaker. Again, I, we remind you, he's got the second most rushing yards by a QB in a single season. I think he needs to be more accurate. He's got a 66.5 on-target percentage. That's the fourth worst mark in the NFL this season behind Aiden O'Connell, Will Levis, and Kyler Murray. He needs to get rid of the ball and get through his progressions quicker. He's got the tied first-highest snap-to-throw time in the NFL at 2.7 seconds. Uh, I want to be clear about something that's tied with Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson. This is a misleading stat. Just because you're very high in this does not mean that you hold on to the ball too long. Lamar Jackson, the reason his is so high is because he buys himself time. He dances around in the pocket, and he makes timely throws. With a guy like Justin Fields, his snap to throw time, I think, is a little more misleading because it's him taking time, getting through his progressions. I just don't think he gets through his reads as quickly. But it's certainly a combination of the two. I agree with you that Fields can't hold on to the ball for too long. He is also second only to Lamar, if second to Lamar, in terms of his ability to make dudes miss in the backfield. Because, I mean, Lamar is a little bit shiftier, right? Both these guys are crazy, and they're crazy fast in the open field. But Mm -hmm. Fields is a little bit bigger and stronger, even. Like, you see that one play where he bounces off of two D linemen this past game. So... It's a combination of the two, I would say. That's a very good point. That's a very good point and an important distinction to make between the two. It's both of those factors come in to make that stat. With Fields, I just think it's a little more obvious when you watch on tape. He's just more prone to 
taking mm-hmm. his time through his progressions and holding to the ball a, yeah. a little more problematically. Um, that being said, I do think he deserves a shot somewhere else. If it's Atlanta, if it's New York, the Jets, or the Giants as a starter or as a backup, you know, the Saints. I think there's a lot of different you know places throughout the league where you can look and say, he could be the starter here. And I just mentioned the Saints because I just don't think Derek Carr is the guy. You can cut him after this season. Mm-hmm. Is it Denver? You know, Denver's going to cut Russell Wilson. Fields deserves a shot somewhere else to be a starter. I think that's abundantly clear. Yeah. You've got one wide receiver, one here. You know, you've got decent aligned play. It's not an ideal situation. I'd like to see Fields in a better situation. But to me, if I'm the Bears GM, this isn't a thought to me. I'm doing... Uh, I'm doing the one scenario that I pointed out where you take Caleb and you either take the O-line or you take Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm just not passing on Caleb Williams. Where do you come down on this, Carson? If you were the Bears GM, what are you doing in this scenario? Well, for what it's worth, the Bears aren't going to have a shot at a Marvin Harrison Jr. type with their second pick Oh, fair, because they've won too too many games. They're too good. They're 7-9 now. So I think that we agree in terms of the final decision – but I am higher on fields than you it would seem because I do think that this is at least cause for pause. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty smooth right there. That's so smooth. If there was anybody other than like a very impressive QB1 prospect, and if you weren't going to have the number one overall pick, I would absolutely say that you buy into Justin Fields as your guy. Like, he has showed some of the most ridiculous elusiveness that anybody has all year, just in this past game. And he made some beautiful throws from inside the pocket. His first touchdown throw into the back corner of the end zone. Like, just a crazy tight window. He put that ball right on the money. He still does have issues. I agree with you. Holding onto the ball too long at times. Accuracy, timing, decision-making, all of that is fair. Those are issues. He is a great talent in terms of his physical attributes. But my feeling is just that bottom line, if you pass on Caleb Williams, you are going to regret that. And I think that part of this is that I don't want to call it the sunken cost fallacy, but there are shades of that in that once you've invested in a guy, you really want that to work out and you are going to probably commit more to that working out, even if in a vacuum, right? How many people are going to tell you that Justin Fields is a superior long-term option? Just apples to apples to Caleb Williams at this point. Not many people. Now, there's an argument to be made when you say, all right, if you trade the number one pick, you're going to get a haul for that, a larger haul than you would get for trading Fields straight up, right? If you trade with the Pats, who have that third pick right now, then you can still get Marvin Harrison Jr., and you can probably get a couple firsts on top of that and a couple of later picks in the draft, and so now you can really build something. Now you've given Fields two really high-end weapons, one elite, elite talent in Marvin Harrison Jr., and you can strengthen yourself in the trenches and maybe build that defense more. And so you would be gaining more resources as a whole, as a football team, but I just think when you pass up on the generational quarterback talent, you tend to live to regret that. You really do. And I think that Fields would be successful in that scenario where they really put good pieces around him because he is working in an adverse situation. Like, outside of DJ Moore, the weapons here just aren't that good. And the line isn't good. And he has gone out there and won them some games with the level that he has played at. But I just don't think he's going to be as good as Caleb. And that's what it comes down to. That's a great point uh, with the sunken cost fallacy. I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, movie uh, The Money Pit. Uh, In 1986, Mm. it's uh, Tom Hanks. 1986. Sure. And 
him and his wife, they buy a house and they're going to flip it uh, or they're going to build it back up. They get the tour of the house. It's really nice. It's beautiful. They don't see anything wrong with it. And then after they purchase the place, it just starts falling apart. And it's like they could eat the cost immediately and they could mm-hmm. sell the house and get their money back. Or, um, you know, they hold on to it and try to restore it and the house just ends up falling apart. Safe to say uh, chaos ensues for Mr. Hanks. Am I right? Mm-hmm. I've never seen it. Very true. Uh, it's I think it drives a pretty major wedge in the relationship. Um, no. <laughs> the money fit does. Do they work things uh, out? Unfortunately, it's been a minute since I've seen it. You know, I was... Uh, you saw it back actually, in theaters. Well, yes, obviously. I was an yeah. old man. Uh, I was in my 60s then. Yeah. But it's it's a great point. It, but I, you, you're exactly right, Carson. When that guy comes around, you don't think twice. You know what I mean? The Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Steelers are still reeling from the fact that they passed on Dan Marino uh, in the draft. When that guy comes around and you think that that's the guy, you don't think twice about it. You pull the trigger because you're right. Look at what teams have done with the picks. Look at what they did last year when they traded down. They got an absolute haul. If you're going to get a lot of capital back, yeah, maybe consider it, but I'm not doing it. It's not enough. I'm not passing on Agreed. the franchise guy because look at what the Panthers did, man. They meddled around. They passed on the guy. Granted, they took a guy that they thought was well, going yeah. to be the franchise guy. Um, shout out David Tepper. Shout out throwing drinks on fans. Um and dude, I don't think there's going to be any repercussions for that, Carson. That was a really weird storyline. It doesn't look yeah. like the NFL is going to do anything about that. Uh, what a douche. Am I right? Yeah, uh, am I right? <laughs> yeah, you don't pass on the franchise QB borderline, man. That's 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 the bottom line. Yeah, I don't know if the Panthers comparison is the right one because, as you said, I mean, they thought that they were getting their guy. They actually went all in to try to get their guy. They traded their star receiver, and they traded lots of draft assets to make that happen. But you do live to regret it for the most part. That is the most valuable building block that you can have. And I think that some people are out on Caleb. I think the people are out That's on Caleb. Crazy. Because That's of te- crazy. Because of things that don't have to do with him, bro. Because of nail painting. Because of crying. Because the USC defense was bottom five in all of D1 college football. Caleb is a hell of an athlete. He's big. He's strong. He is an unbelievable arm talent. He is one of the great improvisers that you can have out of structure. He's going to be awesome. Like that's just a dude who I would say is pretty much stamped to be a franchise quarterback. And right. Fields is a sure, he's a surer thing in that you've seen him in the NFL and you've mm-hmm. seen that he's a solid starting quarterback, but Caleb feels like as sure of a thing as you can have in a prospect in a guy who hasn't set foot on the NFL field with real, real upside. I would take that guy. Okay. Logan. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps. 
in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. This is Jeff T from the Club 520 Podcast. You'll know when you get it. It'll say eBay, authenticity, guarantee. You'll feel it because when it comes to your feet, eBay has your back. Maybe it's that head-turning pair of hooping or a hot new collab. Whatever you're after, when you cop on eBay, you can trust that your kicks will be checked by experts, not just any expert, sneaker experts who live and breathe the culture. Real people with real hands-on authentication experience. That's when Blue Checkmark represents on our listing. eBay authenticity guarantee, meaning every inch, stitch, sole, logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. So when you finally step into those grill kicks, you'll realize the feeling is unlike any other. And with eBay authenticity guarantee, the feeling of real is always within reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. As this playoff picture starts to finalize, we have a real interesting race for that seven seed in the NFC, which we've talked about all year, how underwhelming that race is. But of all the candidates for that spot, the Packers, the Bucks slash Saints, both of them are eight and eight. One of them is going to win the division. The other one could grab that wild card spot or the Seahawks. Who is scariest? Yes, all these teams have their fatal flaws. The Seattle Seahawks can't stop anyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Electric offensively, playmakers everywhere. JSN, DK Metcalf can run the ball. I hope Kenneth Walker's healthy. Uh, He had an arm injury against the Steelers. Yeah. Um, That could be pretty major. But their fatal flaw, they cannot stop the run. I mean, the Steelers just abused them all game long. Got a ton of push up front. So I think that defense is getting cooked against anybody. They don't scare me. The Saints, they have Derek Carr at quarterback, for Christ's sake. Come on, man. Why am I going to buy into the Saints? Their defense, you know, and they're, they're... team basically you know stays at a geriatric facility they're just a bunch of old heads so they're old and Derek Carr plays for them so I don't like the Saints the Green Bay Packers intrigue me mm-hmm. they intrigue me quite a bit with Jordan Love um, um he's shaping up to say the Bucks you think I can't see this coming come on man it was always the Bucks it's the old Indiana Jones man I gotta yeah I gotta give you the old bait and switch man mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers well, yeah. Baker Mayfield might have a rib injury, so that kind of puts a you know. He was really there. good this past week, huh, Logan? Your guy was great. Uh, 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 I don't really want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> they've got the best weapons to me uh, in a single-game playoff setting. That's what we're talking about. They have a high offensive ceiling, I believe, where Evans, Godwin, and again, with this plan, Baker Mayfield has to play well. That's the bottom line, and that's a fatal flaw for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. you got to trust Baker Mayfield to play well in an individual setting. I love Baker Mayfield. That's not a sure thing. It's not a sure thing for the Green Bay Packers either with Jordan Love. It's really yeah. a flip of a coin. But the Bucks have Mike Evans. They have Chris Godwin. They have Rashad White. They have consistently made big plays all year long. And Baker Mayfield has shown us to a point that he can get the ball to him in space, he can be accurate and on time, and he can protect the football. And then defensively, the Buccaneers are pretty damn good. Uh, game to game. 
I, I don't know. It, to me, it's the Bucks of the Packers. The mm-hmm. Seahawks defense is too bad. I'm not betting on Derek Carr. To me, it's Green Bay or Tampa Bay, and we saw these teams play head-to-head, and so I'll go with the team that won. And again, I know this is kind of tongue-in-cheek because we just saw the Bucks and Saints play, and the Bucks got beat, but mm-hmm. I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like my corked-up white boy with a little bit of swag, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I like their weapons. I like their defense. And I've been rocking with the Bucks all year, man. It's been the one take that I've stayed, uh, that I've been pretty staunch on. I'll ride with the Buccaneers till the wheels fall off. Let's go, Baker. Well, the Bucks. No way. No in way. reality, no are way. probably just going to flat out win the division. No, I'm not going to give some. No, sort of, come on, Carson. I love Baker. Take. I'm not going to do that yes, for you right time. now. It's time. It's time, man. Well, guess what? He's going to get them in the playoffs because they play the fucking Panthers. They play the Panthers, and they have the tiebreaker in the division. So, in all reality, they're probably not even going to be a wild card team. But I do think that out of all of these four, the Packers are the scariest. Jordan Love is playing at an awesome level. Jordan Love or Baker Mayfield, Logan? Who do you want? Baker Mayfield, duh. Why? Why? Seriously, are you being serious? I am being 100% serious. Okay. I want Baker Mayfield. He's a corked up white boy with a little bit of swag. He is. He is. Okay. What about then, a couple weeks ago, you said that you would rather have Joe Flacco than Jordan Love. Who would you rather have between the two of them now? Jordan Love or Joe Flacco? Yeah. Joe Flacco. Do you hate Jordan Love? What is no, this? I'm not, I'm not quite fond of him, no. Joe Flacco can't move, bro. Joe Flacco is him! Joe Flacco is playing well, but all I'm saying is that dude is dude. a statue. <laughs> he is trying to get rid of that ball fast. And, like, he's made some plays. He can still throw the ball downfield. But, my goodness, against a really good pass rush, I'm a little bit concerned about that. And I think the Browns are really good. I think he's playing well enough. He's a huge upgrade for who they've had. That defense is good. The Browns are certainly a better football team than the Packers. But Jordan Love is a better quarterback than Joe Flacco. I don't want to flex my muscle too much. But, damn, man. I said, what was it, week three, week four, if the Browns get average quarterback play, that they could be an AFC title or Super Bowl contender? All it took was Joe Flacco, man. Yeah, I, I don't know, dude. I think Joe Flacco's kind of still a baller. I like Joe Flacco. Jordan Love over his last seven weeks. 262 yards per game, 16 touchdowns, one interception, 7.4 yards per That's attempt, ridiculous. 110 passer rating. He is good. And if you don't want to do your Jordan Love apology, if you want to keep saying Mm-mm. that you like Mm-mm. Baker Mayfield and Joe Flacco off his couch more, that's fine. I'm apologizing to Jordan Love because I thought, Coming into this year, early in this year, you're looking at sort of a journeyman, Mm -hmm. like below average starter. The kind of guy who is going to have a job in this league for a long time, but you're not going to give multiple big money contracts to. Maybe you stick with him for a few years, but eventually you just want a guy who is going to give you a higher ceiling. And I think that that undersold him. He had some awesome throws in this game. That first touchdown, flat-footed, puts it right in the window between the two DBs closing in. I mean, he had multiple clutch throws off of his back foot. He was just putting on a show. He was putting on a show. And I owe him an apology for that. He is tied for the third most touchdowns in the entire NFL right now. Damn. Touchdowns clearly are not the best metric of things. Russell Wilson has more passing touchdowns than Lamar Jackson this year. And I think that sometimes people will just look at touchdown interception ratio and say, that's how good this guy is. And it's just not true. There's so many factors. Who gets those red zone touches? What are the scenarios finishing those drives? But. I mean, the guy's got 34 touchdowns, 30 through the air, four on the ground. He does bring that ability to scramble and make plays with his legs. He's just awesome. And I don't love the Packers defense, but I like it more than the Seahawks. 
And I trust their quarterback play and their overall offense a lot more than the Bucks, Logan, whether you like it or not. And Baker doesn't suck. He's certainly better than Kenny Pickett, but he's unreliable. Man, he's what, a, what a low blow. What, a low <laughs> what do you blow. mean? What do you mean? We're well, just discussing where these guys rank as NFL quarterbacks. So Kenny Pickett sucks. Well, he's not good. He's definitely not as good as Baker. Does Kenny Pickett suck? I think he's a backup. I think he's a good backup. So that's a yes. That's a, you could just say yes. I mean, roughly, yes. <laughs> Approximately, I would say so. Yeah. You going right. to be all right with that? Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take Yeah, you okay. said Baker Mayfield was better than somebody. I'll take that, man. So the, it's the small wins. It's the small victories. Yeah, dude, listen. I don't even view myself as like an anti-Baker guy. I feel yeah. like some yeah. people are starting to feel that way about me. Bro, that's because people are coming out here saying that Baker's a top half of the league starter. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that way. No, he's not. He's probably like right below the equator. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I wouldn't push back on that too hard, but that's just what I'm saying, bro. Like, the, the league, there's a lot of good quarterbacks. In the, NFC South, in, the, in, in the NFC South, slightly below mediocre is good enough to get the job done, man. I will say, Logan, I will say, coming into this year, we had the discussion of Baker versus Derek Carr. Who did we trust most in that division at the quarterback position? I said Derek Carr. You said Baker. I think I have switched to Baker in that conversation. So in the mid-off of the century, <laughs> Baker is coming out on top. And that's a real achievement. That's a real yes. achievement for him. All right, everybody. That's going to do it for us here today. Appreciate you all listening. Hope you had a wonderful New Year's Eve celebration and that you are going into 2024 with some excellent vibes, perhaps some great resolutions. Logan's is that he's going to grow even more hair. The hair just uh, made a soft launch on TikTok to rave reviews. People saying things like, you have hair? Where did that come from? So more of that coming in 2024. Yeah. I may have more hair coming soon too if I have to rock a toupee. That's true. That's true. Could be a new look for Logan. Really new year, new me. If you want more Logan, then you can always watch our full shows on YouTube, the Nerd Sesh YouTube page. You can just listen to his voice again, then you don't get to see the hair if it does make an appearance. Across all audio platforms, you can check us out on TikTok at Nerd Sesh and Instagram, same handle, Twitter at Nerd underscore Sesh, clips from the show, all of the trivia stuff that we do is there. You can check us out on Cameo if you want any custom messages, videos from the nerds, and you can join our Discord at the link tree across our social media bios. You can also get yourself some Nerd Sesh merch. We've got the flags behind us. We've got hats. We've got shirts. We've got hoodies. All of that at thevolume.com. And with that, appreciate you guys. I've been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids. No plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. 